This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Starting a new series called Fire from God. We're going to look at some key passages in the book of Leviticus. Now, Leviticus means relating to the Levites. The Levites were a tribe that God did not give any land to because he said, okay, this tribe is going to work in the tabernacle and in the temple. And out of this tribe came Aaron and the priestly line. So the book of Leviticus is instructions on how you're supposed to worship. It was instructions given to the Levites, but it was information available to all the people because God is very particular and he has particular instructions on how he wants things to happen. And within this book, we find something out about the fire that was on the altar. And we're going to look at that the next two to three weeks as an analogy for our life at the fire that God wants upon our altar. Now let's look at Leviticus chapter 6, starting in verse 12. Leviticus chapter 6, starting with verse 12, it says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offerings on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. This is God's instruction in Leviticus 6. This is before the fire was given. But here he says a fire needs to continually burn. It must not go out. The title of today's message is Perpetual Fire. Let's pray together. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're going to instruct us and you're going to show us your ways. And I pray that the ways of the Lord would be clear today. The ways of God would be clear today. And that we would walk in that path you've set before us. We would walk in your ways, Lord. And I love your word. I love the teaching of your word because, Lord, it puts us on paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And that's what we want today. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we look at this perpetual fire that was in Leviticus, that, Lord, we would have that same fire in our hearts. Let it happen through the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. In my senior year of high school, I was in a class and I was asked a question that I never thought about before. But I know you've been asked this question, too. The question was this. What is your most valuable possession? Another way this question has been asked is this. This way. If there was a fire in your house and you could only grab one thing, what would it be? And I started thinking about this, and, and I didn't have a fancy car and was young, 17 or 18, had not accumulated a lot of earthly stuff, and so I never thought about this before. So as I reflected, I thought about something that I owned. By, by chance, a few years earlier, I had, actually by arrangement, I'm sorry, I had had the opportunity uh, growing up in Irving, Texas, to meet God's greatest quarterback ever, Troy Aikman of the Dallas Cowboys. I hear just a great amen out there. And this was arranged for me to meet Troy Aikman, so I brought a, uh, a magazine with him on the cover when he played for UCLA, and he signed this magazine for me. So sitting there in that classroom when they asked 
you know, what's your greatest possession? I concluded it was my autographed Troy Aikman magazine. Do you know where that magazine is right now? I have no idea. I don't know where that thing is. I suppose if I ran across it going through boxes, I'd be happy to find it. I would enjoy having it. But that which was very valuable to me now, years later, really has little value at all. So it is in our life, I think, that a lot of the things that we value today, and we would say, this is one of the most important things in my life, we won't even care about 10 years or 15 years or 20 years from now. Some of us, we're just obsessed with getting this promotion. And, you know, 20 years from now, we're not going to care about that. Some of us, we, uh, are just, we, we have a love affair with an old vehicle that we're restoring, perhaps. Someday, we won't care. Because in eternity, listen, none of that's going to matter. And eternity is coming very, very quickly. So today when I talk about fire, I want to talk to you about a fire in your life. And I want that fire in your life to be the most valuable thing in your life. And here's the first thing I want you to write down about fire from God. And it's this. Number one is this. Fire comes from God. The fire that I'm talking about does. Now, look at Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this passage because it's next Sunday's text. And next Sunday, this is where we're going to be at. But Leviticus chapter 6, God gave instructions to the Levites, don't let the fire go out. And they didn't really know what that fire was or where it was going to come from. And this is where the fire came from. In chapter 9, verse 24, it says, Fire came out from the presence of the Lord... And consumed the burnt offerings and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. And you and I would probably do the same too. If we saw like fire come from nowhere and consume the communion table or something, that'd be like, wow. It was obvious it was the work of God. And it was so important that we understand that in chapter 6, when God said, don't let the fire go out, this wasn't just any fire. This wasn't just a random fire that was started uh, by, by rubbing sticks together or whatever they did in those days. This was a fire from the presence of God. It was the one thing that only came from God. And I want to ask you a question. What in your life only comes from God? Your salvation? The anointing on your life, your gifts, your talents, your family, your spouse. Those are the things that are gifts from God. And they only come from Him. And they are to be what we value. And they are to be what we cherish and what we protect. And what we, we make sure that fire never goes out because it comes straight from God. To our lives. So, what is the fire? Let's look at what the fire is contextually. I, I you know, gave you some suggestions of, of how that fire manifests in your life, but what exactly is the fire of the Lord? Here's the first thing I want you to write down. What is the fire? Letter A fire for the sacrifice demonstrates God's acceptance. If you look again at verse 24, it says, Fire came from the presence of the Lord and it consumed the burnt offerings. And the fat portions of the altar. What God was saying right there is, I accept you and I accept this offering. You see, when people needed to be right with God, 
before Jesus came, they would bring a sacrifice and they would put it on the altar. And they were believing that that sacrifice paid for their sin. And here it was, the sacrifice was made upon this altar. And then fire came from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. And God was saying, I accept this. You're all good with me. That's a great message for us to hear. And one of the things that I want you to remember, the fire in your life, is the wonder and excitement of knowing that you're right with God. You're right with God. You are at a place that you're completely right with Him. And one of the reasons God had the Levites keep the fire burning all the time was so it could be wherever the God's people went. As they wandered through the wilderness and they set up the tabernacle and the fire was still going, it was a continuous remembrance that God was accepting them and that he was reconciling them to him. They were right with God. And that was an amazing thing. Here's letter B. Letter B is this. Is the fire is, represents the Holy Spirit. It symbolizes the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 says it this way, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire uh, separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I gave you some suggestions, your gifts, your talents, your anointing. But if you look at A and B, this is the fire of God in your life. The fire of God is, number one, is you're accepted by God and you have the indwelling of His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is within you and you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is very important for you to understand because if we don't realize how significant this is, and we don't realize that living under the acceptance of God and living with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, how powerful that is in our life, we're going to let that fire dwindle in our life. All of a sudden, that very thing that originated from God that we can't produce, we can't conjure up, it is from God, we take for granted, and that fire, it goes out in our life. And it can easily happen if we take for granted that which comes straight from God. Some of you know that uh, I love the city of Austin and I have three or four of my friends that are pastors there. And there is a barbecue restaurant that I enjoy going to when I've been able to visit the last several years. This barbecue place, my friend Brent was the first person to take me there. And he, he really, really built it up in my mind and he would tell me stories about how great this food was and right in the middle of the restaurant is a fire pit i mean it's pretty cool uh they start the fire they cook the food right there in front of you and brent told me that that they kept the fire going all the time and in fact there's a story about one time when there was a rare ice storm in central texas that the owners and workers they went through great great measure of effort and risk their lives, so to speak, to make sure the fire was going. And I was really impressed with that story. So, so I go, I eat the food. The food's really great. I call over the waiter, and I was like, hey, come here a second. I said, listen, tell me a little bit about, and I said it kind of quiet, the fire pit. And he said, well, what about it? I said, I heard that you keep it 
on all the time. And there's even the legend, like you iced over and you guys came and kept it going and everything like that. He looked at me and laughed. He said, all I know is that we put it out every night before we go home. So I don't know what you're talking about. Isn't that how what happens often is that we build up a story in our mind and it really isn't true? Well, as, as I was getting this sermon, uh, preparing this, I thought about that. And I started thinking about how difficult it would have been to follow God's commandments in Leviticus 6. To always keep the fire burning. I mean, I thought about that little restaurant in Austin and thought, now that I found out that wasn't true, it's kind of ridiculous anyway to think people would keep the barbecue pit open all the time. But yet God gave the specific directive to his leaders in Leviticus 6. And he said, he said it five times in that passage. If you read the whole passage, five times he said, don't let the fire go out. And during the daytime, that would probably be pretty easy because there were continual sacrifices. We know that Jesus was our one and only sacrifice. But before Jesus, in the tabernacle and in the temple, there would be sacrifices continuously. So during the daytime, it would be quite easy to keep the fire going. But who kept the fire on during the night? They would keep the fire alive. And then in the morning, the sacrifices would start again. And it was very important that they kept the fire going, why? Because of its source. Remember Leviticus chapter 9? It came from heaven. So that meant that every single person who brought their sacrifice to the Lord knew that the fire that was going to accept the sacrifice originated from God. Not from a Bic lighter, from God. It originated from Him. And that was significant to them. And significant to their thought process. And I want to suggest a couple of things of why perpetual fire is crucial in your life. Why do we have perpetual fire? Here's number one is this. Perpetual fire symbolizes never-ending worship of God. Never-ending worship of God. Think about this. When this fire came from God, every generation, kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, ancestors could say, we are coming to this fire because this fire originated from the throne of God and we have kept the fire alive and that is who we are. And that is, I believe, as a people, as the Allison family, as whatever your family name is, as people who go to the church at Indian Lake, that's what we do. It's we keep the fire alive in Hendersonville. And we keep the fire burning in Sumner County and in North Nashville. And we keep it alive in our hearts and in our families and in our church and in our community. Somebody has to keep the fire alive or the fire will go out. And we keep the fire alive because he's worthy and we worship him. And this building is a place of worship. And your life is a place of worship. And that's why the psalmist saying this, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. It's a never ending sacrifice of worship to the Lord. The fire never goes out. Can I just suggest to you and just remind you that worship is not the 30 minutes on Sundays or Wednesday nights. Worship is our lifestyle. We live directing our worship to Him because He's worthy. And when you keep the fire alive, you're saying with the very essence of who you are and with your life, God is worthy of worship. He deserves our worship. 
And that's why we're going to keep the fire alive. Perpetual fire number two symbolizes the continual need for forgiveness. The continual need for forgiveness. Now, I say this that we know because of Christ, positionally we are forgiven when we receive Him as Savior, that Christ died once, one sacrifice, and that was good enough. And so when we receive Him as our Lord and Savior, our destiny is in heaven, and our salvation is with Him, and our salvation is dependent on what He has done. But there is a continual need because our heart is sinful to go to the Lord and to have times of repentance and to continually turn from our sins and turn from God. And so it was with God's people when they followed the the Lord through the wilderness and they set up their tabernacle, they set up their tabernacle and they keep the fire burning as a reminder we have to turn to God for forgiveness. And in the temple, they kept the fire burning. It says we have to have forgiveness. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Those are beautiful words. That when we tell God we're sorry for our sins, and you're going to have a chance to do that in just a couple minutes when we take communion, we're going to confess our sins to the Lord and we're going to make things right with Him. Now, before you think that's just a one-time act, go with me to 1 John chapter 2. It says in verse 1 and 2, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. I believe that's a good word from the Lord right now. That, that the reason we read the Word and hear preaching and hear teaching and go to church is we're not supposed to sin. We're supposed to get better. We're supposed to get more like Christ. Now, but here's what I love about the Lord. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. But if anyone does sin, knowing that we live in a dark world and we know that we have not been eradicated completely of our sinful nature, we have this pool of sin, it's ugly, it's nasty, I hate it, I look forward to the day I don't have it, but sin does happen. And when we sin, we have another chance. Now, when I discipline my children at home, I have a very strong stipulation on my forgiveness. It goes something like this. Don't ever do that again. How many of you use that phrase? You've heard that phrase before. Don't ever do that again. Burn me once. Shame on you. Burn me twice. Shame on me. So often we say, well, we serve a God who's a God of second chances. But God's not the God of second chances. He's a God of third chances, fourth chances, tenth chances, a hundred chances. Not that we have a license to sin and we should not repent because His kindness leads us to repentance. But the fact is this, is that there's a continual need for our lives for forgiveness. And when we forget that, the flame goes out in our life. One of the reasons I stay so close to the Lord because I need His forgiveness so often. Because I fall short. There's no way that I can go through a week living sinless and I need His forgiveness I need His grace on a regular basis. I need to throw myself on the mercies of the Lord. And that's part 
of the fire burning. And when you lose your sensitivity to that and you never repent of your sin, you never come to an altar again, you never see sin in your life, then the fire might be going out in your life because you don't see the need for continual forgiveness in your life. We are sinful creatures living in a sinful world, but we have someone who is an advocate for us. He is talking to the Father. He wants us to be forgiven. He is making a way that if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us. Here's the third thing, is the perpetual fire reminds us of God's continual presence. Write it down. The perpetual fire reminds us of God's continual presence. You see, for God's people, if they were ever careless, the fire would go out. and They would never have the fire from God. And because of their disobedience, the fire did go out. Most scholars believe during the Babylonian captivity is when the fire went out of the temple. For us, for me, let me start with me, my fire has gone out before. It has. I thank God, though, because of His grace, that's not a permanent situation. Because God rekindles the fire and He blows fresh. His wind blows fresh in my life again. And all of a sudden, that which was gone reignites. A new wonder, a new dependence on His forgiveness, a new communion with the Holy Spirit. That's what the Lord does. Can I just tell you this? The fire is to never go out of our hearts because the fire doesn't just exist for us. You see, sometimes we, we live in this individualized society where we're like, Jesus is my personal Savior and I've asked Jesus into my heart. And why all of that is helpful, especially for us when we're younger, we forget that salvation is also a community process. And that if you're breathing and alive, if you're a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a church member, you have a responsibility to pass the fire down to the next generation, to keep the flame burning, to go to the second generation, and to the third, and to the fourth. And that's one of the reasons why we have BBS this week. BBS isn't some kind of cute habit that we do just uh, just because it's part of our culture. It's a strategy to pass the fire, the acceptance of God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit down to the next generation. That's why I love what Psalm 73, verse 17 and 18 says. It says, Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day, day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, don't forsake me, O God, Till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, church members, your existence is to keep the fire burning for the next generation. God, we want your fire. We want your acceptance. Would you pray with me? We want the acceptance of the Lord. We want you to accept us. We want your fire. We want your Holy Spirit, the indwelling of your Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit, would it be among us, that we would feel him in our lives, in, the, in our churches, and in our community. Lord, we want that so much, and we believe it's going to happen. We want our ushers to begin to prepare to, take up commun- to pass out communion. Here in a moment, a plate is going to come your way, and I want you to take piece of the bread. I want you to take the cup. I want you to hold it. And before 
before we take it together, every single one of us is going to have a chance to repent and get right with God. I'm so excited because in a few minutes, every single one of us who wants to will be right for God. If for some reason you don't want to take communion today, you can let it pass. That's okay. But know this, if you want to take that, here in a moment, you're going to have a chance to make things right with God. And every single one of us who chooses to is going to walk out of here right with God. And I believe with a new fire rekindled in us. As you hold the the bread and the cup, let's reflect on those things. There must be more than this. More breath of God come breathe within. There must be more than this. Spirit of God, we wait for you. Before we take this communion today, I want to make sure all of you are right with the Lord. Can we close our eyes together? In a couple minutes, every single one of us is going to repeat a prayer. Before we do, I want to make sure that you know you're going to be going to heaven today. That you have fully trusted Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to raise your hand in just a second. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be looking, but it's not so much for me as it is for the Lord so that he knows 
Because some of you, maybe this could be a significant day for you. And you say, you know, I've had questions about my salvation, but today I want to know that I fully trusted the Lord. So I'm going to start with your far right. The far right of the room, as you're sitting there to your right, I'm looking at that section. If that's you, and you say, I need to make things right with God and know that I'm right with Him and that I'm saved today, would you raise your hand right now? Go in that far right section. Thank you, sir. I see that. Thank you, ma'am. Now look in the middle section. Is there anyone in that middle section? Just raise your hand now. Say, yeah, I need to make sure I'm right with the Lord. Anyone in this middle section? Now I'm looking at your far left. Is there anyone in that section that says, I need to make things? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down now. Thank you in the back, sir. You can put your hand down. Oh, wow. The Lord sees us. And the Lord is so glad that we want to be right with Him. He's so glad that He gave His life so that He knew he, can, he knew we'd be right. He paid the price that we could not pay. He took your sin upon Himself. He paid the penalty for your sin so that you could have eternity in heaven. I want every single person to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I believe in You. I believe You're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I repent. I turn from my sins. And I turn to you. Forgive me. Thank you that my, my citizenship is in heaven. Let me pray for you. Now, Father, as we prayed that prayer today, Lord, we believe, God, that, that because of you, Lord, that we are saved, Lord. And Lord, we receive everything that you have for us. Now I want you to take this bread that is in your hand. Let's take it together as we remember and celebrate him. The cup you hold in your hand represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. Let's take this together as we remember and celebrate him. Oh, wow. Thank you, Lord. We have a room full of people who are clean and cleansed and holy and righteous because of what you've done. Would you stand with me now? Thank you, Lord, for your fire. Now, as we've repented and we've turned to the Lord, I want you to begin, would you just, let's just begin to ask for the fire of the Lord. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would send something from heaven, something that cannot be tamed, something that cannot be contained, something that we know comes straight from you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, your fire is coming and you're consuming, Lord, you're consuming our hearts and everything that doesn't belong to Jesus is burning away. We thank you that your fire is coming to our minds. And God, every thought that doesn't belong to Jesus, you're burning away. We thank you, Lord, your fire is coming to our lips. And everything we say that does not represent Jesus, you're burning away. Because, God, there's something supernatural that only you can do, Lord. 
So, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you'd send your fire to our hearts, that you'd send it to this church campus, that you'd send it to Hendersonville and Goodlandsville and Gallatin and North Nashville, Lord. Lord, that we would keep the fire burning. We would keep the flame alive, Lord, so that Jesus would get the glory and that Jesus' name would be lifted up and that people would be drawn to Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that in a place, Lord, where it's a wilderness, Lord, it's a moral wilderness, it's a spiritual wilderness, but, Lord, there's a fire from God that's burning bright. And, Lord, all will see and glorify the Lord and all will see that God is real. So, Lord, let us do our part. Let us do our part to, Lord, keep that fire alive. And the Lord wants to remind you of something today that he has a plan for you and a destiny for you to keep the fire burning that your life has a very particular season to it and there's a particular place and a time he's called you to and he is calling you to keep the embers alive and to keep the fuel on the fire that he has not overlooked you he has a plan for you and that plan is as sure as the voice you hear right now it's God's plan for your life don't be discouraged This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.